Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bombdad listeners. I'm sitting with my friend and my colleague, Dr. Alexandradi from Tabana Organization. Dr. Daniel Rockers, our other partner, is not with us today. Uh, Tavana is a nonprofit organization supporting individuals with psychological needs. Uh, we always bring culture into picture uh, when we work with any individuals because, uh, first of all, each of us have different background and we have really faced uh, a different life because of our background and we bring our own background we understand the culture and the differences, and we work with individuals in a variety of ways um, to bring them on board with the um, bringing them to the uh, center as much as we could. Today, as we said, uh, we are missing our friend and our colleague, Dr. Daniel Rockers. Uh, as we before we started our program, I was talking to Dr. Andrade and we were just thinking how our mind and body and spirit is connected. So today we want to talk about this more. So I want to start first with um, neurons and how the cells work in our body. So I was just uh, talking about how uh, in human being, um, most brains, neurons are, first of all, most of them are present at birth. And although neurons die at the rate of about 10,000 per day uh, because of their enormous quantity, less than 2% of the original supply is lost by the age of 70. So basically understanding how the cells work it just gives us the understanding of how everything in our uh, physical being is working like a factory, how everything is set up to work. Uh, and then also the information and communication within the cells and the transference of the hormones and the chemicals or even electron, electrical part of, uh, because we know there are two parts, there's electrical and there's chemical. But when you understand how these cells work within themselves and then transference of those hormones to different part of the other cells in our body, it just tells you that uh, when they work, um, appropriately and accurately and correctly how the uh, homeostasis of our body is in place. But um, as, as we read in many um, articles or in our studies in psychology, we know that there are some sensitive uh, parts of our life that, um, of course, their genetic background and there's also um, environmental issues, either in connection with the genes or separately, and how the environment or genes affect our body. But when you um, really think about, uh, you know, bringing all this information and coming from a culture that there are other parts into just beings um, ourselves, 
um, we realize that there's so much in our brain that we still, first of all, don't know about, like this limbic system. And when uh, things work well, how um, life becomes uh, psychologically, physically, and spiritually um, calmer and better. But also I wanted to see when um, something happens in a sensitive part of our life, let's say adolescence, you know, um, between age of 10 to 13. Um, obviously that affects our brain. If something happens uh, traumatically, how these cells, they um, behave differently, they transfer the hormones differently, and how some of the psychosis or psychological issues just come um, kick in. So that's why I wanted to talk about this, because I know some of the psychosis, like it's because of excessive dopamine or, um, uh, you know, or reduce reduction of some of the hormones. So I just wanted to bring that up and just in connection of our um, health, talk about these things. And um, that's why I wanted to open our conversation in this regard. Yeah, you touched on a lot of really important uh, pieces. I think that in relating to the idea of culture and even just like normal functioning and how we can sometimes not focus on these things until maybe there's a, a problem or an issue. And, and even going back to, like you said, the, the neurons and the activity that we see, I always give people the example of, you know, between the ages of, you know, birth, even before, you know, we're born all the way up to, like you said, like six, seven years old, that's a time where you see the most uh, kind of activity and connections and neurons. And if you think about it, we, we can connect that to what we see in a person's growth and development at that time, children can learn things at amazing speeds with what seems like little effort or little practice even sometimes. And so what we're seeing is like the, the height and, and, and the strength of the neurons and those connections and what that can mean. As we get older, uh, it tends to kind of level out, uh, you know, after we are through our teenage years and our early twenties, you know, we start to see it level out and then we can even see a decline uh, in, you know, late thirties, early forties, you know, definitely we see it in 50s, 60s, 70s. But I think a lot of times because we're so focused on our adult life, we forget that piece where there's such activity and there's such growth. And like you said to, uh, you know, all of the neurons that we're, we're born with. And I always just think of that time. And I've even seen like brain images where they show like, there's just so much activity at that time. And you think about it, like kids are like sponges at that time. They pick up everything. They remember everything. Uh, they're, they're figuring things out, you know, as adults, you know, we try to figure things out sometimes and we're like, wow, this should work this way. You know, you don't, you don't see kids saying, oh, it should work this way. You know, they're, they're trying to, to sort through it and figure out. And that's those neurons being so flexible and adaptable and growing in that way. And so I think it's one of those things where we can say, well, we're talking about neurons, like how does that relate to real life? Like, what does that look like in our day-to-day -day life? And I think that's a prime example that as parents, you know, you see that we can see that in uh, reflection, reflecting back on our own life, you know, our, our family's life, you know, seeing that these growth connections are happening at an intense and amazing speed. 
Yeah, and uh, we know that uh, even when you think about Alzheimer or dementia, now researchers and specialists have found that with certain exercises, um, so we can improve our memory or we can prevent loss of some of the um, you know, neurons um, in our brain. But the most important part when I was thinking, even when you think of Alzheimer or dementia, if anything um, triggers the depression, for example, and we know that Alzheimer or dementia usually starts with depression. And we know that some of the hormones as we grow older, the secretion of those hormones are less, become less. So serotonin is one of them. And we know that um, many elderly um, take some of the SSRIs or MARIs and some of those medications that helps them to bring the level of serotonin. But think about a fulfillment of life that, um, you know, we talked about purpose of life in the past. Um, you know, if, if you're active, if you feel like you're used in a good way, if you don't feel like, you know, you're sitting there and you're a burden on your family or wherever you are, I think all of that affects how your brain works. Now that we're talking about neurons, the more the researchers are finding that when you meditate, when you have a uh, relaxed and fulfillment life, your spirit is in a higher level, you, you know, you function uh, differently, you see the world differently, you're more positive, and that helps the health of your physical body, and also your spirit, and, and those actually affect your brain and the work of all these hormones. Sometimes it's hard uh, when uh, there are things that scientifically are not proven, and we know that in our brain limbic system is the storage of our memories and emotions, and uh, many times I feel like we always talk about our gut, we always talk about our heart, but where are these um, you know, words that we use are located in our body. So I know that limbic system uh, is the uh, store uh, ridge of our emotions. So we connect, for example, smell of a um, fragrance that we were using when we were 13 years old, or we remember the smell of for example, our mother at certain age, when we, it's amazing when you think about it, that the storage of emotions connected to smell that brings back the memories. So limbic system is, is a part of brain that hasn't been discovered much. Um, so sometimes I feel like maybe when we talk about our gut, when gut feeling, where is it? Maybe it's in limbic system. But in general, uh, now talking about neurons, talking about hormones, um, it's really, really important to think of the connection of specifically our physical well-being to our mental well-being. Yeah, and I think those lines, to, along those lines too, with the idea of spirit, uh, I think we, we can sometimes just start with the body, but I think a person's spirit 
is something that really also maintains their well-being too, kind of as you were you were mentioning. I'm thinking of like stories where I've heard, and, and I think this relates culturally too, in certain cultures, you know, elders are revered and respected and seen as still crucial within one's culture and society. And so they're advised, uh, you know, they're, they're gone to for, for advice and recommendations and, and they're treated with the level of respect and upheld to a certain level. So that they're almost like focal in the family, like people will go out of their way to pick them up or not out of their way, but they'll go and they'll pick them up and make sure that they come to these family events and everybody will greet them and talk with them. And it gives them the sense of like meaning and purpose and can enliven their spirit in a way where if they don't have that, I mean, to not be stimulated both physically as, as well as even in our spirit, we see that people will diminish. And so in cultures where that is really emphasized and encouraged, uh, there's even been documentation of, you know, a person having things taken away from them and that actually resulting in their body starting to struggle and fail in ways where, yeah, they were maybe busy and they were doing things, but you know what? It gave them something. It uplifted them in ways that I think science sometimes struggles to understand. It's like, well, you know, nothing has changed outwardly as far as, you know, their body, they're not sick, but all of a sudden they're not doing those same things. They're not socializing. They're not uh, connecting with others. Even their routines maybe have changed. Um, you know, all of a sudden it can be a whole different person that we end up seeing. And so I think it speaks to, you know, how that spirit is encouraged and enlivened by family and by our, our, our society in that way. Yeah, you touched on several things that I would like to talk more about those. First of all, the culture of respecting elderly. Uh, in Asian culture and in Middle Eastern culture, and I believe in Mexican culture and many other cultures maybe that we are not so familiar with, they respect elders for their experience, for their advice, for their consultation, for their words of wisdom. And uh, in Persian culture, um, and I'm sure in Mexican culture, elderly have a special place in everybody's heart. People stand up in front of them when they enter the room. Um, people respect them. As you said, they go out of their way sometimes to um, go bring them to the family events. And even friends do that to the elderly of their um, family's friends. So they go visit them. They usually don't let them go to uh, nursing homes. They keep them where they are uh, to the expense of, you know, spending more time with them, losing part of your enjoyment in life, but you respect them so much. And that keeps them uh, in a different way, um, you know, in, in their living. So that was one part I wanted to say that in some cultures is the opposite. And people who get old feel like they're not wanted, they're useless, yeah. they're just a burden. And imagine what does, what does that do to your brain? Mm -hmm. But the, the other thing that I wanted to say is, um, you know, the fact that uh, how much our spirit uh, affects our physical being. So imagine you're an older person 
and um, they take you from a place that you're used to and that's your sacred place and all of a sudden you you are in a new environment you don't see the family day and night you're on your own uh, you know it's it seems like your psychological death basically happens before your physical death so psychologically when you die your body will die soon after. So we want to talk about this, that how important it is to boost your energy, to boost your um, purpose in life so that you don't really um, need so much attention or so much care from other people and your health, your physical health will be um, probably increasing your, when your mental health is in place, your physical body will be healthier as well. The other thing I was going to say, I just, I was young when I came to United States, but I remember I can sort of connect this in a different way, even though I was young, but because I was away from all my belongings, all my family and everything that I had uh, in my belonging. And then I remember I had a little desk that that was my sacred place. Every time I felt like I'm depressed, I need some, you know, just encouragement, I would just go to my desk and start writing. I look at animals like we have uh, a couple of dogs in our home. You know, as soon as something bothers them, they go to their cage. They just sit there and then after a while, they come out. I think it's just um, not only human being, but also some animals that we watch, uh, how much there's a place for them that seems like it's calming. It just brings uh, some, um, I don't know, comfort to them. Yeah, I think on a, on a physical level, on a psychological level, on a spiritual level, yeah, there's those places that can make us feel whole, help recharge us, uh, and nurture us in that way. And so it's, it's, I don't think we always think of it in that way. We just think of like, oh, I want to go home, like with this idea of like, well, I'm going to be more comfortable there. And, and it's funny, I, I even tell people too, there's nothing magical about our home. You know, there's nothing, it's not endued with any special powers. It's not a place that's void of stress or anything else. You know, it has everything the rest of the world has except that feeling that we've put on it. And so it gives us something because we've allowed it to be this for us. And, and I encourage that often people when they're struggling to feel that sense of home and stability um, in their life, whether it's physically uh, as far as location or even emotionally too. So yeah, it's something that uh, along the lines you mentioned, uh, definitely we want to keep talking about and, and really encourage people to, to reflect on. Very good. So I want to say some words in Farsi before we go to break. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من سعیده ملک افزالی هستم به همراه دوست و همکارم دکتر الکساندراده امروز در خدمتون هستین دوست دیگرمون دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز با ما نیست من و الکس امروز داشتیم راجع به اینکه چطور سلول های مغز ما کار میکنه و اینکه این ارتباطاتی که در درون سلول ها هست و چجوری اینها رو منتقل میکنن به سلول های دیگه بدن و ارگان ها صحبت میکنیم و ارتباط 
ارتباط این به صلاح سلول ها این درون مغز ما با بدنمون و با سپریتمون با روحمون و این ارتباطات باعث میشه که ما یا آدم به صلاح سالمی باشیم یا مشکلات جسمی یا روحی داشته باشیم خیلی چیزا ژنتیک هست ولی خیلی چیزها هم انوایرمنت یعنی محیط زیست ما روشن سر میذاره ما به طور کلی تا اینجا صحبتمون در این رابطه بود که اینا همه به هم بستگی دارن و اهمیت رشد بچه ها در دوران کودکی که چجوری تمام این سلول ها و تمام این نوران, نوران ها و این به سلاب کانکشن اینها در رشد بچه ها و سنهای حساسی که دارن موثر برمیگردیم در خدمتون هستیم اگر که کسانی هستن در منزل که از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی استفاده میکنن خواهش میکنم ازشون دعوت کنین روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه به برنامه ما توجه داشته باشن Dr. Alexandrade, and we continue our conversation about the connection between um, body, mental, um, mind, and spirit. Um, up to here, we talked about uh, the way the cells work in our brain, and also we talked about the importance of um, the specific uh, era of the growing up in children. Um, and also, uh, we talked about elderly, we talked about the emotional part of life, and especially, we end up at the place that we talked about home. So I want to say when Dr. Alex and Ronnie, when you talked about home, it just brought so many things to my mind. We always say home, sweet home. It's a place for comfort. It's a place that um, you feel like when you get there, you know, it's a place um, that you close the door and you are there. It's very personal. Um, so that's why when inside those homes, there are people that they don't get along, they create issues for each other. That's when that home, sweet home, even becomes a problem. So we work, we spend so much time and energy at work or outside of home. When we want to come back home, we want a place that is restful, is calming. And how much do we ever think about that? Some people are so much um, 
actually inhibitation happens when you're inhibited to your situation, but you don't really realize that how much this home sweet home has issues that doesn't give you that comfort. So let's talk about that. I mean, I know we talked about the connection between body, mind, and the spirit, but because home is also connected to what we're talking about, I want to know what do we do when our home, I know if um, other things work, but then the actual construction of the place you are or the planning of the house, if you don't like, so you have the option of moving. You have the option of looking for another place that is more pleasant and you like more, um, well, especially if with your budget um, works that you can handle this. But when it comes to our relationships, home become a different, has a different meaning when that happens. It almost reminds me of that idea you people say, you know, wherever you go, there you are, you know, individually we can sometimes carry our own issues, our own baggage uh, with us in the world and even to new places. And I think that relates to home in the sense of if we, we only know home as what it is. And it's not until we maybe have exposure to other people's uh, homes or to other families that we realize the, the differences. Uh, those can be good things and sometimes not so good things. And so we can end up realizing like, this is what it feels like in my home or in my life. And we can't help but be shaped by that. If we feel like we are arguing all the time uh, within our home, we're going to feel like people always argue, like this is how people communicate. And it's sometimes not until people experience something different or, or there's conflict uh, outside of the home because of that. Like if you're going to work and you're arguing all the time, people are like, well, why are you arguing? And it's like, well, not, I'm just saying my view or my opinion. And then we can start to see, you know, that the, the kind of impact and, and sometimes even the, the, the good things uh, that family means to us and home means to us. And so a lot of times it feels as though, well, that's just how it is. It's, it's not something we can change or be different. Like this is what it feels like. And I think that's always a starting point to say, well, do we have to continue those patterns? Do we have to keep feeling that way in our home, in our life? You know, what's another way that we can look at this or another way we might want to feel. And sometimes even that question is a very hard question because it's just, this is what it is to be at home. This is what it feels like. And so it's not always good or bad. It just, it is, this is what's normal for us. And so I think it's so important to be able to just start and say, what does home represent to us? What does it feel like? What do we think others think of their own home um, and trying to, you know, and I think sometimes again, even like shows, uh, movies, sitcoms, we see what a family is. And, and so that's like sometimes a window into the differences. And so there's this idea of, you know, what is our home? What is our experience in that way? And, and then, yeah, the, it definitely plays into, you know, physically how we are impacted spiritually, uh, mentally as well. It's one of the first areas in our life that shapes us to such a large degree uh, that we don't even realize it sometimes. Absolutely. And then when we go home and close the door, who knows what's happening in those homes. And then there's so many cultures within cultures in the families. And until you really are not exposed to other situations or other family lives, 
you feel like this is uh, what it is, you know, because that's how you've been raised. And then when uh, you open your eyes to other ways of living, all of a sudden you realize that there's so many differences, as you said, not necessarily better or worse, but just different. And, and uh, some families are, um, and we know uh, in psychology, we even have the research about the way parents raise their children. Some, they are, um, you know, just the kids freely are raised basically by themselves. They have permission to do anything they want. Parents really don't um, bother to really uh, focus and create rules. And then we have families that they're authoritarian, it's more like dictatorship and the kids don't have any saying. We have um, also ignorant parents who ignore the kids and that's the worst type of parenting. And we know all the psychological and even pathologize, the pathology part of even being raised in those families, what happens. But then also we know that there's authoritative parents who are basically, they have rules, they have attention, they watch the kids, they want their success. Um, but, um, and also we have helicopter parents. Those, those are mostly the, the dictatorship parents who watch the kids and don't let them do anything on their own. So imagine with knowing all these different styles of parenting, what happens in the homes of people, you know, they, we all are not raised the same way. We raise differently. All this conversation that we have reminds me of, um, you know, I met a family that uh, they were always together. Whenever they were together, they were laughing, they were joking, they were having such a good time. And I was actually, uh, you know, I loved it. I was listening to them and I was watching them with awe that how could a family, you know, that they're always together, they've been together for years and years. When they meet, they just laugh, they talk, they enjoy. And it was such a great feeling that, you know, if we can build that within us to create that. Um, I have been also very fortunate that I have, uh, you know, my, some of my family members are very energetic and um, they have sense of humor. And whenever we are together, they make such a uh, environment that we laugh and we joke and we enjoy. So that's different. But this family that I'm talking about, over little things, they were just having such a good time. And I was just thinking, if we could build a family that um, we always take things as something that we can enjoy about, talk about, um, don't take it too seriously, because whatever has happened has happened. Now let's see what we can do. But also have sense of humor about it and with humor, try to resolve it. I know it's not easy because we have different uh, characteristics, different personality types. Some of us are more serious. Some of us are more easygoing and all of that. But how can we make an environment comfortable, uh, fun, and sort of easygoing? Well, I think, it, like you said, it's a little different. I don't think it's much different in regards to like 
your family, like you said, laughing and joking at times and that family that just seems naturally um, in tune. I, I think it's almost this idea of like the spirit of the family. And again, it's one of those things where it's not until we recognize it that we can say, oh no, this is the, the spirit of my family or the nature of my family. And we all can play a part in that and, and, uh, and adding to that, but we also could take away from that too, individually. I find, for example, say we're all together and, you know, maybe we're not feeling so great or maybe we're having, we have things on our mind, but if we go and we approach it as, I know that this is the, the spirit of the nature of my family. I know that this tends to feel good. I know that it gives me something. If we can bring ourselves to that moment and be present in a way where we're not ignoring or suppressing our emotions, but we're saying, let me be in this positive spirit. Let me be in this positive space. What we can do is we find that it can help us and nourish us and give us something. Now, for example, the other end, say we're not feeling so great and we're, we're going against the, the spirit of our family, like, well, I don't want to say anything to anybody. And I'm going to, you know, if they say anything, I'm going to, you know, uh, tell them to be quiet. Like we end up kind of pulling the spirit away from our family. It can impact not just us, but others as well. And so if we first recognize what that spirit is and ways that it can help us or give us, we can tap into that and, and it can energize us so that we can more, uh, be more capable in addressing our maybe own issues, our own problems in that way, versus just focusing on the hurt, the pain, the, the difficulty. Um, it's not perfect. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to take on the spirit of our family and we're going to feel great and everything's going to be okay. Maybe not so, but it doesn't have to make it where we're taking away from not even our family, but taking away from ourselves by not allowing that spirit to, to heal us and to nurture us in some way. Yeah. And then um, also when you were, we, as you were talking, I was just thinking, imagine in that environment that you're uh, enjoying, you have such a good time. Imagine how the cells in your body are working. As much as you are enjoying and you're, you're having a pleasure, you're relaxed, you're um, joking, laughing, as we started talking about ourselves in our body and how the chemical and electrical part of the cells are working, imagine how in that calmness, everything is gonna happen differently and calmly because we are talking about the connection. And also, uh, you know, like um, the other part of the brain that uh, affect, is affected when things are not going well, it's um, the fear factor, the um, amygdala, you know, all these um, other uh, transactions that happens in our brain, you know, all of that, um, you know, is affected. So think about um, not only your enjoyment of time, but also if you really think how our body works and how they're connected with everything that happens throughout our daily life, if you're more thoughtful, because I know we um, each have uh, the ability to have that cognition, deep cognition of what we are talking about. But how many of us do really apply these to our lives, you know, but if deeply we understand that the calmness, the enjoyment of life, 
what it does to our brain and what it does to obviously the first thing I think always is our brain because that's the center of sending all these hormones in our body. And I, and we know that based on that, our body is functioning. So think of, think of the brain, how it's affected and, and think of how that causes the other effects uh, of emotions or health. Um, and obviously just like anything, our cells age, our body parts age, our body organs age. So we don't want to fasten the process. We want to uh, try to um, reduce the pace of aging. You know, so we always talk about antioxidants. We always talk about the nutrition, but do we ever talk about the emotional nutrition? Do we ever talk about you know, how we feed our spirit, you know, how we feed our brain. Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, those are things that we have to take care of and try to find ways to nourish and engage. Uh, it's going to bring us that overall well being versus, you know, if we focus too narrowly on one part of our body, and not those others, um, yeah, we're going to feel imbalanced in that way. So it's something that we have to pay attention to completely our mind, our body and our spirit. All right, we got to another break. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد، اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت 12 تا 1 بعد از ظهر من و دو تن از همکارانم دکتر الکساندرادی و دکتر دنیل راکرز به زبان انگلیسی در مورد موضوعات روانشناسی صحبت میکنیم. امروز صحبت ما راجع به ارتباط بدن با مغز و با روحمون هستش و چجوری ما میتونیم تغذیهی که بر غذای بدنمون میکنیم به همون اندازه تغذیه خوبی رو به روح و روانمون بدیم و چجوری میتونه این در به صلاح ارتباطات سلولی و مغزی ما اثرگذار باشه برمیگردیم ادامه صحبتمون رو میدیم
Dr. Alexandradi, and we continue our conversation uh, regarding the health of our uh, mind, body, and spirit, and how they're connected. So, Alex, as uh, we left our last part of conversation, we're just thinking of our well-being in general when things all together works. Um, I was just thinking, you know, sleep also is a big part of, um, you know, having a healthy life. So when we don't have a healthy um, relationship, if we don't have a very centered life, we hear from many people that they're suffering from a good sleep. And we know as we age, our sleep pattern changes. But I was just thinking of that as an important part of our daily life. We know that uh, one of the stages of a sleep is beta waves. You know, at the beginning, uh, we are alert. We are in a fully awake state when we go to bed. Then it's alpha waves, uh, which is, uh, you know, we are awake, but we are rested and we go to the relaxed state. Then we have theta waves, which is um, deep relaxation and it's light sleep. And then, the, the, then it comes the delta wave, which is deep sleep. And, and these stages from one to four are um, collectively uh, referred to as non-REM sleep. And we know that REM sleep comes after, which is um, rapid eye movement part. And most of the dreams happens in that uh, time. So the dreams that uh, some people who come to us for consultation, for work with us, they talk about the nightmares. They talk about the dreams that wake them up. So I was going to talk about this too, because if you don't have a very, uh, you know, a calm and, and um, very um, centered life, obviously uh, that affects your sleep. Now imagine make that 10 times worse if you have a, very um, nervous life, if you have a very uh, shaken up life, then what happens to you when you go to bed? Yeah, it's, uh, I always say sleep is the kind of center of our well-being. And we know that and we hear that from people when they're not getting sleep. I mean, uh, you know, if somebody's had a bad day of sleep, you ask them, hey, how's your day? Oh, I'm tired. You know, it's it's one of the things that we're freely willing to admit sometimes uh, because it's just so pivotal to what we identify as our, our well-being and our, and our functioning. Uh, it's very interesting too. I've always said uh, sleep is probably one of the hardest things that I work with individuals on in therapy. And it's not because it's so difficult. It's more of those messages that we tell ourselves. We don't realize the difficulty that we create sometimes when we are saying we even wake up in the morning, we're like, Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do today. I'm not going to have as much energy as I want. And so we're already approaching the day feeling behind feeling defeated, feeling exhausted. Now that's not to say that those feelings aren't there. We can actually find that a lot of times we're able to do more than we think. And we do all the things that we need to do. Think about days you've been tired and you're just like, I would say for me, the worst is when I have that feeling when I wake up that I can't wait to take a nap later. 
And so think if we have that thought of I'm going to be tired all day and you know what that does to us psychologically, even physically, as well as our spirit, you know, throughout the day versus if maybe we change the message even a little bit, I'm tired. We want to acknowledge it. I'm tired. And I'm going to bring myself to do these things the best that I can today and give myself this, this kind of space to say, I'm feeling this way and I want to try to do these things. And so, and, and then we could even say, and my plan is to give myself uh, rest tonight, knowing that it's another opportunity to sleep. Uh, it's another opportunity to let my body do that natural thing that needs to do versus we often be, we often tell ourselves, oh, I'm not going to be able to sleep again tonight. It's going to be really hard to sleep. I'm not going to be able to feel rested. It's going to happen tomorrow and it's going to get worse. And, and again, that goes to the mind. Our mind can be so powerful that it gets in the way of those things that our body is naturally able to do. So the short end of it is we tend to get in our own ways in ways that we don't realize when it comes to good and good sleep. And we definitely it can impact us uh, on all of those levels to a degree we don't realize. And so, yeah, again, the mind, the body, the spirit, they're all connected. And even in something like sleep, we have to recognize how we can undo sometimes our best best efforts to get the rest and the healing that we need to. Sure. And uh, sleep deprivation is something that uh, many individuals are dealing with. Well, we know that short-term deprivation, sleep deprivation, it may not affect us so quickly, but long-term period of sleep deprivation creates uh, many issues uh, physically. And when I talk to some people, they always say it's chemical, it's chemical in body. But how do chemicals um, basically happen to cause this? It, it should be somewhere in our brain that a thought, a worry, um, a, an anxiety kicks in and takes away that freedom and that uh, calmness, that um, relaxation stage so that we could sleep well. So I always challenge the people who say, oh, it's just my body. I'm not a good sleeper. I often talk about what is it in the back of your mind? What is it that daily you think about? You know, because we have to always be able to ask us these questions. And if we have distorted thinking, you know, it's hard to be able to judge your distorted thinking because you always hear that, no, I'm not thinking of anything. But how could you not be thinking of anything and, and then um, your body doesn't function well, your spirit is not there? I really believe if we dig deeply into what goes on in our body, we realize that a lot of it is the thought in our mind. So it's important to question yourself, to ask, you know, what is it in my head when I go to bed that doesn't allow me to sleep well? And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, imagine at night, whether you have a child, whether you are a child, you are a young person or elderly, If there is a conflict, if there is a friction between you and the other person in the home or other people, imagine how your body is functioning. You you notice that your pulse is faster, you, you may, your blood pressure may go up. 
and you go to bed with that feeling, obviously you're not going to have a good relaxed sleep um, through the night. So I always uh, encourage people to resolve your issues, even if it's for temporarily for that night, you know, just make sure when you go to bed, you have resolved your argument or your disagreement or your friction before you go to bed. Because when you go to bed with that, you're actually putting toxic in your body. And we know that we have talked many times about cortisol, the hormone that is toxic to our body. And then what happens is our brain, the way it works, it just immediately is on guard, immediately is alerted that, you know, this is happening. So I have to really have extra energy. So the uh, adrenaline is going to be released. The uh, other hormones kick in to help the body to be able to fight that stress. But how long you can continue with that? Imagine night after night after night, you go to bed with that sort of a stress. So yeah, it's it's really something that we have to be mindful of. Yeah, and I was going to say, even if we can't resolve it completely, knowing that we're working towards resolution, remind ourselves that this is something we're working on. Because I find a lot of times in life, you know, things don't get resolved in maybe the time frame we want to. But that doesn't mean that working towards resolution, knowing that we're going to keep talking or keep addressing things, uh, that we're both going to be working on this together, or as a family, we're all trying to figure this out and that we're here for each other. Um, sometimes that is one of the ways that we can try to allow our mind to rest as easy as possible so we can get the sleep that we need to, so we can feel energized and kind of recharge the next day to, to tackle life and tackle these things. I agree with you. I, I actually wanted to mention that because there's so many things that needs time to be resolved. But by that, uh, I always want to encourage people, you can kiss your child and say, for now, I want to kiss you, say, I love you. But we can talk about this later. With your husband, with your wife, with your loved ones, you can always say that doesn't mean that there's any change in my love and care for you. But let's just put this on the side for now because now we are going to bed but then we can continue our conversation so it's it's really really important that you always mention that the love and the relationship is there think of relationship as outside of you you want to nourish that you want to keep it going you don't want to uh, you know create any issues with that but something has happened, you want to work on that something has happened, you want to continue have a conversation. But when you go to bed, make sure you tell your loved ones, and especially your children, that even though you were upset, even though you had such a maybe hard debate or conversation or disagreement, but that doesn't change your love for them, you love them, and you're not satisfied with the result, you wanna continue conversing about that until completely from both sides is win-win and we both agree, agree on the resolution. But at this point, we need to be uh, at a point that we wanna to go to bed, we wanna put this on the side. Okay, Dr. Andrade, I wanna uh, just ask you to say your last statement. 
I'd encourage for everybody, and it might sound simple, and but going right back to where we started, you know, think about ourselves in that way of, you know, my mind, my body, and my spirit. And I think a lot of times we can be very good at doing that about others and seeing those parts of themselves. But for ourselves, we can struggle to do that. Or even with our own family, uh, we can struggle to do that. So I'd encourage just even asking that, that question, you know, how do I maybe more along the lines of how am I nourishing my mind? How am I nourishing my body? How do I nourish my spirit? How are those things connected? How do those, all of those pieces, how do they make me and, and as we recognize that, we can start to make sure, am I giving to each of those spaces in, uh, in the way that I want to, in the way that feels good? So that's what I'd encourage listeners to reflect on. What about you, Sade? What would you like to kind of encourage um, listeners? I'd like to really invite our listeners to um, start thinking about the way they their mind works in regards to thoughts that they have. You know, the, we always hear, listen to the chatter in your brain, listen to the chatter in your mind, but we really don't ever stop to really realize that what the chatter is. The chatter is about whatever has happened in the past, because we often go by our memory and those chatters are based on our memory and our memories of whatever has happened in the past. So, there is nothing for right here, right now, and the future hasn't been built to have that memory. So whatever is going on in our mind is whatever has happened in the past, and it just goes in our mind. And also the worry about future, even though it hasn't happened, what if this happened? What if that happened? So basically, we get busy in our head constantly and imagine how much energy goes into that rather than as soon as something comes in just remember these are the things that either is for the past that you can change it or it's for the future that hasn't come and the worries may be 70 percent 80 percent or 100 percent mistaken all those worries may not ever happen and i always remember Antoine Saint-Exupéry, who is a uh, who was a pilot and also a writer, a French writer, who has his famous book has I think several, but one of them is uh, the Little Prince, and in that book he talks about he talks about um, how our mind goes to future, which majority of the time doesn't even happen. So why even go there? So with that, uh, I want to, we are getting to the end of our program. And I want to thank uh, Dr. Andrade for a good conversation. Uh, we are going to come back tomorrow and have another conversation about another topic. Uh, have a wonderful Saturday. I'll stop it,
تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه 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 آهای هم اتاقی بیار شما چراغی که شاید روی عشق ببینم اتفاقی ببین خورشید چشمام اسیر این چراغ تمام خواسته ما همین یک اتفاق میاد بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه چشم تنگار گل نرگس تو آب به این گلدون زیبا بذار آفتاب بتاب میام بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه که از نفس خیسم رو بونم آهای تشنه همه بارون احساسم از آنت عجب دریا دلی هستم تو شوق بی کرانت میاد بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه 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 شاید روی عشق ببینم اتفاقی ببین خورشید چشمام اسیر این چراغ تمام خواسته ما همین یک اتفاق میاد بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه از نفس خیسم رو بونم آهای تشنه همه بارون احساسم از آنت عجب دریا دلی هستم تو شوق بی کرانت میاد بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه 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 رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا